Romans 15, beginning at verse 4. This is God's holy and infallible word. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, so Christmas is now exactly three weeks away. It's on a Sunday this year, three weeks away. Santa Claus is a part of our Christmas season here in North America, for better or for worse. This past week, a friend shared with me something kind of cool about how Santa Claus helps us understand uh, the four stages of life. First stage of life, you believe in Santa Claus. Second, you don't believe in Santa Claus. Three, you are Santa Claus. Four, you look like Santa Claus. <laughs> Pretty accurate, I think. I'm not, I don't want you to worry. I'm not going to talk about whether Santa is real. That's a conversation boys and girls need to have with their parents. But when you think about Santa Claus, you think about his reindeer, Rudolph, all the others, and especially you think about that sleigh filled with presents. The true story of Christmas from the Bible, well, it involves gifts too. And in fact, our verses in in Romans tell us about four special presents that Christmas brings for each one of us. The Bible tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's when Christmas started. But the true story of Christmas begins before that, all the way back in the Old Testament. Verse 12 of our text brings us there by referencing the prophecy of Isaiah that we read at the Advent candle lighting. Now, on the surface, there's not much in the Old Testament that looks like Christmas. Verse 12 refers, in our reading, refers to the root of Jesse or the stump of Jesse, as uh, Isaiah 11.1 says. Not very Christmassy at all, a stump. I cut down a a tree uh, while my family watched and supported me. It turned out to have a, a much thicker stump down there than I expected. 
Um, we did that in Michigan over Thanksgiving weekend, and, and you know what? That, that stump, I left that there in Michigan. I took the beautiful tree home, and we decorated it. Well, uh, the picture in, in Isaiah 11 is, is the stump. And it's a picture, especially if you look at the verses just before uh, where Chelsea read earlier, it's a picture of a devastated land. Beautiful trees have been hacked down. It's a smoldering wilderness. You know, some of the pictures of uh, in and around Gatlinburg, Tennessee, you maybe saw this past week, starts to give us the idea. And this is how God's people Israel ended up. God had blessed them. He called Abraham from the nations, delivered Abraham's descendants from slavery in Egypt. He gave them his word, the bountiful land of Canaan, all his promises, his very presence. All the covenant gifts were for them if they would but live their lives under God's care. But they lost all of God's gifts by living in disobedience, by failing to love God and their neighbor as themselves. And the result was covenant curses instead of covenant blessings. And we read about that in Isaiah. It sounds like a very sad tragedy instead of the Christmas story so far. Except... That in the midst of messing up, in the midst of that devastated landscape, both spiritually in their hearts and lives and and physically reflected in the destruction of of the city, their land, the scattering of, of God's people, in the midst of that we have the stump of Jesse, the root of Jesse. Who's Jesse? Well, you might remember he was the father of King David. You might think, why not talk about uh, the branch of David here, the glorious household of David like the Old Testament often talked about? Well, it's because it had come to ruin. The branch was cut off. The glory was gone. But the root, the stump, it remained. And it's out of that stump that God planted the seed of Christmas. And that's what Isaiah is promising. If you look, you could see there a little leaf. God made his promises, as our text talked about, to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he was carrying that seed through all those many years, through Ruth and David and Daniel and Esther, I really doubt that the stump, although I don't know, I don't know much about trees, I doubt the stump was a Fraser fir, which is what I was going to say, like I left in Michigan a couple weeks ago. But let's call what was starting to grow there in Isaiah a Christmas tree branch. Because God was going to truly grow that tree all the way to Bethlehem. And it would bloom when Jesus came and was born for our salvation. 
all of this for God's glory. Do you notice that in Romans, what we read? A lot of talk of God's glory. In saving his people, God was glorifying his name in all the earth. The way to Bethlehem, it's the story of God determined to glorify himself through gathering and saving a special people for himself through the coming of his son. Glory to God in the highest, the angels sang at Jesus' birth. And salvation bloomed as Jesus preached the kingdom. He drew people to himself. He died for our sins. He gloriously rose again, ascended in glory to the right hand of the Father to send his spirit to teach us, to work in us and around the world, calling all people to the branch of the Lord that Isaiah 4.2 says is beautiful and it's glorious. It's the preparing, the growing of this tree of salvation, this branch, Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. And under the tree are presents. They are gifts for us. They're offered to all people. And our verses in Romans tell us about four in particular. One gift is hope. Verse 4, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And verse 12 says the Gentiles will put hope in Him. That is Christ, the root of Jesse, who will spring up. Hope. It's got to be one of the greatest gifts you can have. I'm paying attention uh, to uh, the trailers for the new Star Wars movie coming out in a few weeks, Rogue One. And in one of them, you hear uh, the main character say to her friends who are on this mission, Uh, They're facing impossible odds, and they're scared. They're asking, who are we that we can do this? What can we do? What do we have? And the main character says, hope. We have hope, and hope is everything. You maybe heard of the man who showed up at a Little League game and asked a player sitting in the dugout the score, The boy said, we're down 18-0. The man said, I bet you're discouraged. The boy responded, why should I be? We haven't even gotten up to bat yet. There's someone who once said, there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. And hope, by definition, is a gift when things don't look good. When things aren't all right, when we're fearful, when things look bad. Uh, G.K. Chesterton once wrote, hope means hoping when things are hopeless. It's the definition. Or it's not a virtue at all. As long as matters are hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It's only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. Uh, the world's hope, got to think about how we define hope. Because the world's hope is an I hope so hope. In other words, uh, when we generally use it, it's like maybe this will turn out, but I don't really know. I hope my team wins the next game, but you don't really know. I hope it snows on Christmas, 
But who knows? But God's gift of hope is not an I hope so hope. It's certain hope. We know how it's all going to turn out. God's in control. And in Jesus, we can overflow with hope. And if you've got that, you can get through anything. Verse 13 tells us that God is the God of hope. So hope is central to who our God is. And of course, what He gives. Both verses 4 and 5 mention endurance and encouragement. The second and the third gifts. Endurance is steadfastness, constancy. Someone who is unswerving from her purpose and loyalty to the faith even in the greatest trial and sufferings. Uh, the Greeks, maybe you know this, have heard this before, you know, they started the Olympic Games. One of their games was, was a unique one that, that we don't have at all anymore, where the runner wasn't, the winner was a runner who wasn't the one who finished first necessarily, but the one who finished with his torch still lit. And you know what? That is my life in Jesus. That's your life in Jesus. You may stumble on the journey. You may have a rough journey sometimes. You may go through valleys, but God gives you the gift of endurance so that He keeps that flame of faith lit all the way to your journey's end. You will make it. You'll get the crown of victory. What a gift that endurance and encouragement. This is the same word that sometimes we translate consolation or comfort. And it can mean solace or cheer. And of course, we talk about cheer at Christmas. Christmas cheer. And there's, there's a somewhat shallow way to think about cheer. You know, that, that doesn't get much beyond uh, the hot chocolate and chestnuts roasting on a fire, but... There's a deeper way to think about it too as a gift from God that whatever the circumstance, we can have solace, comfort. The word comes from the same word as uh, the name for the Holy Spirit. And, and that's why the Holy Spirit in the Bible is sometimes called the Comforter. And, and so this is a gift of God Himself, really. The Holy Spirit in our hearts. His Spirit lifts our spirit. And verse 4 connects the encouragement with the Scriptures. God's Word, inspired by the Spirit, brought to our spirit by Him. God's Word is our comfort and encouragement. And I encourage you to be in it, to know it, uh, let it wash over you, and you can have a true, deep Christmas cheer all year long through anything. No one can take it away. The final gift is the spirit of unity. And it's verse 5. And it's connected with verse 7. Accept one another as Christ accepted us. The beautiful gift of the unity of the people of God. Normally what unites people is kind of based on uh, their income, their likes, dislikes, political persuasion. So you have unity with people based on those things. And for me, I, I like to cheer on the Cubs, the Blackhawks, and so I have a, a unity with a lot of you based on that, but I also cheer on the Lakers. So then 
There's not so much unity there right away. You just get a little ways into conversation with people, and there might be something at first that you connect with them on, and then you get a little bit deeper, and then you find stuff that divides. You know, you start talking about politics. You'll find people to connect with, but also a whole bunch of people who don't like your opinions, and they will viciously tell you so. You know, they say, and this is some of the conversation after the election, we live in a bubble like never before. And, and the way we listen to and take in media, it gives us an endless feedback loop of what our preferences already are. And so we have more and more trouble as a people connecting with, understanding other points of view. Unity in our country seems to be fracturing. We're not listening to each other. We, we stick with our own. In a nation, in a world increasingly divided, the beauty of unity in Jesus stands out even greater. The Bible says He breaks the dividing walls of hostility so that in the church, if you think about our local congregation, as you think about the church worldwide, and in other communities, we had a connection with Roseland this morning and Zuni, is to think about the church overall, men and women, young and old, people of different colors, all groups that can be at odds with each other, have different worldviews. We're all brought together. We accept one another as God intended. And, and so what we have in the church is a totally unique and precious gift that, that is very, very hard to find in this world. You know, it means these are your people. These are your real people. Brothers and sisters in the Lord. Unity around His Word, His Spirit that's real, it's lasting, it's eternal. Having Jesus brings unity like nothing else. These four gifts, they are gifts. And that means you just have to open them to enjoy them. You know, would anyone be foolish enough to leave gifts with their name on them unopened under the tree? No. You look under the tree, you search for the presence uh, with your name, you make sure your pile is there, they're all there, and then you open them. Well, the Christmas tree of salvation it's grown, the Bible tells us. It stands beautiful and glorious. And there are presents under there for you and for me. And your name is on the tag. Hope, endurance, encouragement, unity. Open those gifts. Jesus was born so that you might experience these precious gifts in your life. And I, I see that so many of us have. I think of our dear brother Jim Decker this morning and how we're going to miss him. He opened the gifts of salvation, didn't he, Jim? And he lived them. Living those 40 years in that wheelchair, he endured Though a person without Christ might feel the future was bleak, 
He lived with hope. He knew he would be healed, and he is now. And he had such Holy Spirit encouragement in the midst of trial that he himself was a consolation and encouragement to us, right? He's what our society calls disabled, but he was one with us, and we with him, serving in the church in so many ways and worshiping as all of us, despite our weaknesses and shortcomings, accept one another in Christ as he accepts us. You want to see what these gifts look like when they're received and opened, then think of Jim and his life and how this church, too, so faithfully lived out these gifts with him and Linda in beautiful ways. In communion, we're going to remember Jesus' blood poured out on that tree, the cross. That dark day happened in order for a more beautiful tree to grow and blossom from it. Our very salvation in Him. In the bread and wine are the symbols of hope and endurance, encouragement, unity. I invite you to receive God's gifts this morning in the Word as you've heard it, in communion with open hands, open mouths, open hearts. Receive Him. Receive Jesus. And experience His gifts. Live them. And boy, let's keep living them out in beautiful and powerful ways together right here at Faith Church, okay?